and welcome back to Fully Equipped. Jonathan Wall here, joined as always by my man, Andrew Tursky. Tursky, we saw some video game scores last week, man. What, what? Did you get a chance to watch any of that tournament from Maui? I watched a little bit of it. I'm not going to lie, I didn't watch every shot. But it's always cool I, watching. I, I barely played watched out any of it. I have. Yeah, I have yeah. as well. So it's always kind of cool to watch like players play on the course that you've played before. Now... <laughs> They took it so deep, and I don't see those numbers out there. Like, when I played, the wind was super, super high. So I guess I didn't even see, like, the same course that they did. But I just don't yeah. understand how it's possible to make, you know, nine birdies in one round, let alone four in a row. Yeah. I mean, that as you said, I mean, they put up video game numbers last week. I mean, imagine shooting 33 under for a tournament and taking home the runner-up check. I mean, on Tiger Woods, I can do it when I can control spin. That's the only the place that I can. And I get, you know, the green read. Perfect every Shout time. Shout out Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods 99 takes me back to uh, my middle school days playing Tiger Woods 99 online. That was, oh man, those were some great days. You hit the Tiger shot and all of a sudden he'd like kind of glitch a little bit. And you know that you knew who you're going to hit a good shot. And like that, that got me going as a kid. I'm like, ah, oh, here comes the tiger swing. It was, it was yeah, great. Yeah, like, I agree. Uh, You're, you set it up at like St. Andrews on easy, no wind, middle <laughs> pin locations. You can shoot like drive four. Driving every green. Yeah. yeah, you're driving every green. If you're, if you're not like birdie in every par four and eagle in every par five, then you're doing something wrong. Yeah, those are, those are like some of my favorite golf games. I, I mean, the, the Tiger Woods, the Tiger Woods line of, of, from EA Sports was, Ah, takes me back. I mean, my favorite was Cyber Tiger. Simpler times. You ever played Cyber Tiger PlayStation? No, no. Oh, man. Well, you got to start with Tiger as like a 12-year-old. And then like as you won more events, he would work up to like, then you play with him as a 16-year-old, then as a 21-year-old. And he just got like progressively better. It was a pretty cool game. Gotcha. Some of our listeners will have played that game. I'm sure. I mean, maybe I'm just showing my age that I don't that I don't remember that one. But, um, well, so Cameron Smith does he does he like to be called Cameron or Cam? I always I I these I call guys him are Cam, always but yeah I do too. But everything I everything that I saw was Cameron. Anyway, it doesn't really matter. Cam Smith is your winner in Maui. He torched the field, and Tursky he did actually have some new gear in the bag. Talk about it. Did you see those new Vokey SM9s? <laughs> Finally. We tested them a while yeah, ago. Yeah. They're good. We did test them. They're they're really good. I mean, it's <laughs> somebody pointed out, they're like, man, it takes it like takes Vokey forever to figure out a wedge. And I'm like, man, they go on in every other year cadence. They've been doing it for who the heck knows how long. Like, do people not realize that they're on a, every other year? So this was a this was a wedge year. And Wait, Vokey people SM9 don't know that there's a cadence. Yeah, people were people were complaining. They're like, "Man, it took them no wonder." Or they said, uh, "Well, it better be good if it took them this long to come out with a wedge." Oh, come on, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the companies so, have their own cadences. Like some are yeah. every year, well, some I mean, are every two years. Yep, some are for sure. Yeah, and some are even longer than that. I mean, look at uh, look at Ping I fifty nine. I mean the the follow up to the follow up to to iBlade. I mean. It was like five or six years. So there are some that are that are regular cadences or you can kind of time like a Swiss watch and there are others that are just kind of open-ended and you know that a new product's going to be coming, but you're not quite sure when. 
with SM9, man, I got to say, I love the look of these. I'm yep. still playing SM7 right now. And it's, it has the, vis- the visible tech. You know, it was back when they were first starting to get into kind of shifting the CG. And so it was visible on the back of the head. And in SM8, they went to, you know, the same sort of CG movement, but they were able to hide it. These ones, I, I think I'm going to probably be doing some pretty heavy SM9 testing. They look really clean. Just like not a lot going on. This really, it looks kind of like maybe to hide some of the beef on the on the top line. They did this really slick looking like a bevel mm-hmm. on the back there. Bevels, bevels. And uh, <laughs> no one's going to get that. Nobody's going to get that. that nobody's going to get that inside joke, but that's fine. I, would, I know it makes you laugh. That's why I did it. But yeah, it, it's, it does. It just got a really good look to it. But I actually like the fact that it maybe is, it maybe looks a touch beefier. I don't know. It's just, it's just the way that head looks. Some of the photos that I saw, I, I've, uh, as you mentioned, we've tested it. So we, we know, but it just, it has a great compact head shape. It's, it looks very traditional and I'm not surprised that, you know, Cam Smith wins with them, but, it, and I don't know, are you surprised they had 14 guys put the new wedges in play the very first week? So you had Cam, you had Jordan Spieth, who Spieth actually, who you and I both know is like crazy slow to change gear. Sometimes he does, mm-hmm. sometimes he doesn't. He left Dallas without his SM8s. And so he already was guaranteed that he was going to go into SM9 unless he wanted to go on the island and find a store with SM8s, but he did not. <laughs> uh, you had JT, you had Cantlay, and Homa were the big names. So they had 14 guys using the wedges, and they had a total of 35 wedges in play. So 35, including like the pitch, gap, sand, and lob. And Spieth, JT, Homa, and Cam all put a Vokey SM9 pitching wedge. We've talked a little bit about that before. Guys that instead of using a, a set pitching wedge, one from their iron set, so like a T100 set, mm-hmm. they'll swap out the pitching wedge from the set for a Vokey. And a lot of the reasons why they do that is I've, I've talked, you have too. I mean, we've talked to JT, we've talked to a bunch of the pros that do this, and they said that typically the Vokey pitching wedge helps them eliminate a lot of the flyer shots from the rough. It's a little bit easier to control and it fits in with the rest of their their SM9 setup. So it's pretty seamless to go straight from that pitching wedge into the to the gap in the sand and the lob. So, uh, you know, better players tend to do that. I don't see a lot of mid-handicappers switching to like a Vokey pitching wedge, but it is, it is an option. I am not surprised at all. Guys have switched so quickly into the SM9. I mean, you saw how I was hitting it on the range. Just so much more of like a penetrating flight. <sighs> Honestly, a little yeah. bit more consistent. That SM8 just tended to get a little bit floaty. And floaty with wedges is not I would really agree. what you're looking for. You want that penetrating mm-hmm. ball flight. And it's like as soon as I put that SM9 in my hands, just so much more control immediately. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. It, and that was what I saw. It just, it just floated on me too much. And that tended to be something. I mean, I'm already, we've talked about it. I'm already a high, high ball hitter. Yeah, I don't are. need any additional float. I do not need any additional float whatsoever. So I'm still playing the I, SM5s, I, by the way. I need yeah. a new set. See, I thought, I thought SM9s. Playing, I mean, I'm going yeah. to the SM9s, but I do still have the fives we, we should, in the bag. Should we should we plan a joint trip out to Oceanside at some point? I'm down. Do do a little wedge testing. I I think it'd be fun. Maybe get some SM9s with Voke himself. Hang out with Voke. Yeah, why or maybe not? Uh, Jeremy Stone. Well, yeah, now you got Corey Gerard, Jeremy Stone's on to to bigger and better things. 
So they've they've got they've got a great they've got a great group over there. And Boki's got a lot of cool stuff. I can't really talk about it just yet, but they've got some other cool stuff in the works with, Ooh, uh, with the addition of that. Yeah, teaser with the addition of and SM9's coming. We know it is. It hasn't officially launched just yet, but it is it is on its way. The wedges are gonna be out there again. They look great. As Tursky mentioned, flight was better with these. We saw some crazy good spin. Yep. So yeah, yeah. They they're they're the total package. And I don't I don't expect anything less from from Vokey with their with their wedge launch. But these these to me seem to be pretty special. So I know a lot of golfers out there are gonna be excited to get these in their hands. And hey, it's always nice to win first week out. It's a hot start. But yeah, I would say, you yeah. know, unbiased journalism aside, I would say that me and you are both Vokey guys and these kind of like hit every checklist of a Vokey that you want in terms of flight, look, feel, sure. the options, yeah. the finish options yeah. and got all the bounces, the grinds. So I would, yeah. I would think that no, Vokey fans are excited for this one. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty incredible. I'm just going to say that. Uh, other changes that I did want to point out from last week. This is an interesting one. Did you notice? I'm I'm sure you didn't because I am I am like just have a hard on for Getty images and searching all the the golf images that that pop up from the tournaments. Okay. And so I we I noticed we took it there, man. I don't I don't really care at this point, but I I did take it there. I love I love me rip. some Getty images. Let it rip. Yep. And so I noticed that Hovey was using a different grip on his clubs. Now, we did we talk briefly last week about what happened? So he lost his clubs on the way to Maui. Mm -hmm. The clubs show up, and his driver is broken. Now, let me start there before we go into the grips, because I think this is pretty interesting. So I talked to Kent Notes, Ping's tour rep. We've had KO on a bunch. And I thought, oh, shoot, driver's broken. You know, he had been using James Hahn's driver, because James Hahn had a driver, he used it when he won in Mexico, and he's been using the game, that was his gamer. Well, KO told me that actually what ended up happening turned out to be a blessing in disguise because the driver that they broke was actually Hovey's old gamer. And so he had two drivers in the bag, and one of them was the longer driver that he used to play, which was 45 and three quarters inches. And then his gamer, James, the James Hahn in quotes driver, is 45 and a quarter. So that extra half an inch helped save his gamer driver. So that's what ended up keeping him from having to find a new gamer. So Hovey actually ends up dodging a bullet there. Clubs arrive, but, and I didn't realize this, but he hadn't practiced a whole bunch since the hero. And when he got back on the golf course, he actually noticed that he, so on his driver, he plays golf pride tour velvet. But on his irons and the rest of his clubs, he plays the Golf Pride New Decade multi-compound. So the one that has that additional cord material on it. Mm -hmm. And I guess the layoff, like it wrecked his hands, that cord material. And so he's getting blisters on his hands. And so he like talked to KO and he's like, dude, you I mean you already used Tour Velvet on your driver. Why don't you just put Tour Velvet on all your clubs until, until your hands heal? And so that's what he ended up doing. And he said that he gave, he left before he went back to, to Arizona. He left Hovey with a full set of the multi-compound grips because he's like, he's going to switch back when his hands start to feel better. But I actually saw that by the end of the week, he was already using the multi-compound. So I guess the blisters weren't that bad. But that was a weird change, I would say. Are you saying that you noticed that like before KO told you? 
Or he he told you. Yeah. Like you were you were no, scrolling he, I, I, and you were like, yeah. these are new grips yeah. for the movie. Yeah, well, because he's weird like that because he uses the Golf Pride Tour Velvet in his driver, but he uses multi-compound in the rest of his clubs. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, it just it just it, again, you know how it is. You and I, you and I are cut from the same cloth. We notice like the weird stuff. You like yeah. you are walking down the range and you see like a new grip on a club for and it's usually it's a big name guy, but you see a different grip and you're like, "Ah, oh, it's weird." Or you see a different something's shaft on a driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah something's I might not off. know like, what it just, is yet, but it's like, "Yep. I'll see it and be like, something, exactly. something's going on here." Something's off. Yeah. But it just goes to show you like tour pros, they are they're weird. I mean, you wouldn't hear most guys talk about switching grips because of layoff, but you know, Hovey's hands weren't feeling it. So he went to something a little bit softer. I mean, the, the tour velvet is, is not going to have that visible cord material like the multi compound does on, on a section of that grip. And so that's why it's just a little bit softer on his hands and allowed him to just kind of get, get back on with practice in the, the first, I guess it was like the first couple rounds of the tournament and then he switched on the weekend. So um, anyway, that was an interesting one. What is the deal with airlines it, and golf clubs? Like they so rarely know, lose man. like a suitcase or anything happens with the suitcase, but then golf clubs, like there's always, they're, and issue. they're so big. There's it's, it's such a, it's like such a big bag. I don't know how you can lose these things, but I mean, I would imagine I've heard that there are more bags that have gone missing now with, with COVID and you know, everybody's, everybody's short staffed that they just can't handle the massive log of, of bags. And maybe they just are like, eh, it's a golf set of golf clubs. It's not somebody's clothes. They're not going to miss it. You know, if it gets there, if it gets there late, like who cares? Give me the golf that, clubs. The, Forget the clothes. Like I that's what I'm saying. Clubs. Yeah. Like I'll go buy some new clothes at the, at the store, but I'm with you. Give me my golf clubs. I don't, I don't care about the clothes. Yeah. I'm not using a rental set. There's nothing worse yeah. than having to use a rental set. Like you never get your flex. It's always like, uncomfortable throughout the round and then all your playing partners are like dude shut up like no one cares that you have a yeah. rental set <laughs> it's like that's just an excuse it's like bro this is this is a regular flex i don't know what you want me to do here yeah it's just i i i mean it's the worst i and i make i make so many complaints or so i make so many complaints and excuses when i don't get my set of clubs i mean when we went out to tory Oh, I was, you, you heard me. I was complaining the whole, the whole time about that set of golf clubs, the whole round. The whole yeah. round. Yeah. I could, I couldn't help it. Um, all right. Other things that I, that I found interesting from last week on the gear front on tour, we had, uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it ended up being five guys who switched in the new TaylorMade stealth driver. Uh, you, you and I were kind of wondering which one of those drivers would probably be the most popular and ended up being the stealth plus model, which is the one with the adjustable weight track. Surprisingly, and, me, actually. you know, why? I don't know. I felt like when I hit the standard head, it was a little bit more forgiving and just felt better. And the spin was like already pretty low to me. It seemed yeah. like kind of almost unnecessary to go with the adjustable unless you're actually going to put it in a different position. You know what I mean? Have yeah. you, have you hit yeah. them all yet no, or no? Still no. Left. Did you life. get Did you get that presentation box from TaylorMade? Oh my god, that was the heaviest. <laughs> Can we talk about this for a second? That was seriously the heaviest box of all time. It It was like forty pounds, I would say. Would Would I'm mean, no No lie. Would you agree? No, I would say it's heavier. Heavier than forty. Like you wouldn't be able to check that bag on a plane. It'd be like, no, you got to empty something out. No, no, yeah, and it's <laughs> it's it's super it's super long. It. it was super long too. I'm gonna weigh it. I still have it. Yeah, good. Good. I, I, I already, I already recycled the box, so I'm gonna I, weigh I can't, it. I can't weigh it. 
I'll, yeah, I'll do report it, back. I'm, I'm curious. And I'm, I'm going to have to add I'm like a pound or two for the cardboard they had like around the box. Oh man. And I, I've, I've heard from a little birdie that that was not cheap. That cardboard box that went around the actual presentation I bet box. not. Yeah. I don't think any of it was cheap. I mean, first nah, of all, you have like a what? It's $600 driver in there. Yeah. Well, and then all the other cool stuff. If, if you didn't see it on, on our Instagram account at Fully Equipped Golf, I posted some photos of some of the swag that was inside. So TaylorMade sent, and I hate that we're called this, Tursky, but influencers. Oh, don't do um, that. Yeah, I know. Ugh. I know. It's a very, it's a very, I, it's a very dirty word. I do not like that. It's a negative but connotation they did, on that They word. did send, mm-hmm, yes, yes. They sent us this box with a bunch of goodies inside. It contained a right-handed TaylorMade driver, the Stealth Plus version, which we were going to be giving away if you didn't see. Wait, they uh, sent you a righty head? They sent me a righty head. Ooh. Yeah. Not a big enough yeah. influencer to get the... The right yeah, I was going to say, definitely not big enough. <laughs> not quite influential enough. <laughs> not, not exactly. I'm just in that mid-range. I'm not in that upper <laughs> echelon. But yeah, so we're going to give away the, the driver. And in addition to that, they sent, yeah, this was, okay, I'm going to just admit this. I did a live unboxing of this. And there was a paint can in this, in this box. And it comes with a, a little opener. And inside of the box, you have some additional goodies. And so the goodies that are in this box, it's, it's Seamus stuff. So it's a Seamus leather head, a leather valuables pouch, a Seamus leather yardage book cover. Um, there was a, a ball marker, one of those hand forged Seamus ball markers. There's a divot repair tool, some really cool stuff. And it's I love got what Seamus does. Like hand, yeah, oh man, they're, they're so great at what they do. But yeah. it's inside this, this paint can. And they also, there was a paintbrush in the box. Why was so there a paintbrush in there? I thank you. I, I have like, I have what is no the idea. Can? I, I can't can't figure it out. I can't I can't figure it out to save to for the life of me. It's it's just one of those things where I'm going uh, with the paint can, the paintbrush. I can't can't quite because the face it out. is red. Because, I mean, maybe red that's face. Gotta be maybe, it. but yeah, so much space getting used up with that paint can. Oh man. Well, let's just say your boy on live camera had a little bit of trouble opening up the lid on the oh, paint no. can. <laughs> Yes. How long did it take? Like and somebody's like, "Hey, hey, genius! You gotta, you gotta put that little opener on the outside." What were of you trying to the do? Can with the inside? Like there was like an inside rim, and then like just an outside rim there. And I was going inside and just absolutely butchering the can. And I'm like, "Well, this thing's not gonna open. I guess I'll just try and do it later." Have you never and opened the paint yeah, can before? I, I have, but it was it was it was not my finest hour. Let's just put it that way. It's gonna haunt me for a while because a lot of people. <laughs> A lot of people notice. And then I did poke fun at myself by posting a picture of uh, said top to the paint can, but okay. it was bad. It was really bad. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Anyway, so there's the, the goodies in there, but I would say the piece de resistance in the box, the Sunday carry bag, like holy fire. smokes. It is, it is all leather. It has, it has a really subtle like Team TaylorMade logo on a, on a pocket and then it's just all black and it it's got red on the too. inside like it is super supple soft. leather oh my gosh Ooh. yeah it's really nice so shout out to taylor made they did a really nice job on <laughs> the presentation box it is huge i jokingly said that i was terrified that rory mcelroy was going to jump out because it was so <laughs> he could fit it was tall enough to be rory tall enough to be rory and you know 
heavy enough to be like an actual person inside. So thankfully they did not do that and scared the living daylights out of me, but really cool box. And again, if you're listening to the pod on Thursday, when it deploys, I'm going to close up entries, um, probably before noon on Thursday. So hopefully you're hearing this before that happens. If not, sorry about you, but yeah, we are giving away the driver and the valuables pouch and the leather yards book cover and the different repair tool and the ball marker. So go check it out. But yeah, TaylorMade did a good job on, on the stealth. But anyway, back to the change that I noticed. So a lot of the, we've, we did videos. We, we deployed some vi- testing videos this week and they were on the new drivers. And the big change this year for TaylorMade is typically in the last few years, we've seen a lot of stories from them about um, dispersion, particularly, you know, really, you know, the twist face was was a big part of it for them and really trying to, to just squeeze every bit of juice out of that out of that face with the speed injected twist face now they're really going hard because this new 60 layer carbon twist face that that we saw i mean you saw additional ball speed but it's a big Mm -hmm. thing they're talking about tour pros that are seeing an additional two miles an hour ball speed and i'm like man that just sounds excessive because Tour pros are optimized up the yin-yang with their with their clubs, every club in the bag. I mean, if they could squeeze out from one driver year to the next, maybe squeeze out maybe a mile an hour of additional ball speed, like that's a win because typically they're already maxed out as, as it is. Mm-hmm. Well, Colin Morikawa, and you know, he was a sim guy and he had trouble getting into sim too, but he does go from the sim product into the stealth takes him less than an hour and he gains like three to four miles an hour of additional ball speed. Like that's, that's legitimate. And I've been hearing it from a lot of guys that have been testing it, that they're seeing like two plus miles an hour, two, two and a half, three. And these are tour pros. I think that's what I saw too. um, Right. I saw about two miles an hour. I'll say, I think, I think like an average overall, I think it was, it was about two miles an hour, but the most interesting thing about this change for Morikawa is it's already like seems to be paying dividends. I mean, he he finishes like for the first time ever. I think he had his best strokes gained off the tee week ever on the PGA Tour. He gained like three and a half strokes off the tee as well. So, I mean, if you give that guy a driver that's like 10 yards longer and he's that much better off the tee with it and Scary. he's already – basically a robot with his irons and his wedges. That's terrifying. terrifying. What did he do with the, with the soul? Did he change it to a little fade bias? Cause I think the problem with the SIM two is that it was a little bit too draw bias and he was missing it left. Right. Yeah. So, yep. It's, it's, this one's, this one's just a bit more, a bit more fade bias for him. They, he, uh, Ryan Ressa, who's their head of player development at Taylor made it. So they made some, some internal changes, just some, just some slight modifications, but he was some saying one of the, the big, okay. Yeah, yeah, probably. One of one yeah. of the big one of the big wins for them is that he he was always saying that typically the the left to right miss for Colin was creeping over 2500 miles an hour or 2500 RPMs. And with this one he was saying that 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 left to right miss is like staying under 25. So it's still pretty consistent as far as for spin and he's like and for a cutter that's huge. Like if he's yeah. not having to worry about spin really creeping up too much if he overcooks it, that's, that's a huge win. And that, that's the kind of stuff, I mean, the ball speed we're going to be hearing about, you know, that, but I was, I love the more nitty gritty stuff. Like if guys are noticing like more consistent spin 
on their go-to shots. I mean, that's, that's something that I feel like the average golfer is going to be able to really benefit from. Yeah, more distance, but we're all looking for, for more consistency in that, that tighter dispersion. So it seems to be a, seems to be a good fit for him. Yeah. To have that second serve swing where you hit that little cutter for that, not to creep above like three grand. I mean, that's big. It is a low spin driver. We did see it is, it is in uh in testing in robot. It does spin pretty low. So if you're high speed guy looking to knock that spin down, still. Yeah. And you, you were at like 1900 on some of those hits. I know. I know. Arguably a little (sighs) too low. That's, yeah, I would I would totally agree with you there. Uh, you know, anything, anything sub two thousand is is really not sustainable. So, yeah, it was it was a very low spin product. Other things that are worth bringing up: Callaway released their new Rogue ST last week. They had yes, eleven sir. drivers in play. Um, some of the the big names that were playing it: Xander, Phil, Abe Answer, who, as we mentioned. I think we mentioned last week on the pod, just kind of talking a little bit about the tournament. He signed a driver putter hat deal with Callaway. You had Taylor Gooch and Kevin Kisner. Kiz finally finding a new driver after Good for him forever. Six years? Big Bertha's finally gone. Yeah, man. when did that great it's, big it's Bertha come out? That was 2016, I think. So yeah, I was about years? to say it's probably been about six about six years. Well, six now. Yeah. It's already 2022. Six now. I'm not know, used to it yet. My Let's, brain is still. Yeah, on neither am I. I've been I've been writing uh, like writing the wrong date, like year. I'm still writing 21 on stuff. So yep. Yeah. Um, so anyway, the as far as the rogue ST, one of the fun stories from last week was was John Rom, Jacob Davidson, who who's the PGA Tour manager for Callaway, mentioned that Rom was basically a robot during testing. So he did an impromptu trip to ECPC, which is Eli or Ely Callaway Performance Center. Man, I totally butchered that, but whatever. What's it called? And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe maybe I'll go back and no, I'm not going. I'm not going to do that. So he <laughs> went to the ECPC and he showed he showed up on the same day that Xander was there, and they both ended up doing testing together. And Jacob's standing there watching Rom hit drivers, and as he's hitting them, he's looking down at the numbers, and you know the the track man's going to give you a spin average. So you can kind of see what your average spin is from one drive to the next. Well, for 10 straight drives, Jacob and the rest of the Callaway crew stand there and watch as Rom hits 10 drives where the the spin delta, meaning how much the spin's changing from one drive to the next, over 10 drives is 100 RPMs. Don't see how it's possible. It, I do not see how it's possible. 100 care. RPMs for 10 straight drives. He said it's it was, and I quote, he says he was swinging it good that day, but it was center punch each time. He kept telling us, do you need another one? I can't hit it better than that. Then it became a game for him to see how many in a row he could hit it perfect. 10 in a row is just dumb. Like I, I, I don't think that there's a, you know, pantheon of like great testing stories, like all time testing stories. This one's got to be up there, man. Like 10 drives in a row where the spin is almost identical. That's just, just wild to me. I mean, the tiger stories where he identifies the difference between like half a gram between clubs is pretty cool. But I mean, those this are one, really cool. This one's an all timer. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an all timer. The, we do robots. I don't, I don't think it'll ever be see a higher delta than that. yes oh that's not thank you that's what i was going to say the robot even can't even keep it with spin that's that consistent for 10 drives in a row 
Like it's going to creep, you know, three, 400 RPMs difference on some of these shots. So, you know, it's, it's going to go up and down, but it's not going to be to the point where we're, I mean, hundred RPMs. It's, it's just, again, it's wild. It's one of those stories that you're going to hear during this time of the year as guys are testing. But the big story with Rogue ST that I have been hearing from Jacob, especially with a lot of the guys, Kisner in particular, is that this driver is really stable. It's fast, yes, but a lot of pros have been noticing that their dispersion's a lot tighter. It's just a super stable head, and they've got a whole bunch of models in there, man. I mean, they've got four different models in this lineup, and I actually saw on the USJ conforming list that there actually may be a few more. Yeah, some there. more. Yeah. But there's I can't a, there's say a triple enough. Di- triple diamond I can't S. say enough about that triple diamond LS. It is so fast. It's stable. And if you want to eliminate the left side, which you know I do, I suffer from the yeah. overdraw hook, completely eliminated. I was using yeah. it at Tory. I couldn't even hit, like, I was missing right of the fairway. I've never well, missed because, the fairway. Because you're not right. used to, as I say, you're not used to being able to just kind of fire away. Like, you I kind know. of have to play for that. Yeah. You can let this thing go. It was, like that triple diamond LS is sick. I'm happy that they it's phenomenal. Uh, they brought it out as a retail release. Like we didn't have to wait for it. It's not limited edition. It's not yeah. tour only. Like you can get your hands on it. That so was for someone that was like the me, ROM driver. Draws it. Yeah. yeah, that was the ROM driver from last year. Yep. So it's it's just now it's now in the Rogue ST, the triple diamond LS. But yeah, it's it's ROM's driver choice again. There there are some other options out there. You know. Callaway's big on like making sure their tour pros have what they need. So they're going to have guys in, in, you know, not a bunch of guys, but some guys maybe in, in tour only product, but it is nice to see that a lot of their tour pros are using the drivers that you're going to be being able to get at retail. And again, super stable. Tursky saw a lot of speed, which I can attest. Like some of those ball speed numbers, man, were, were seriously good. That driver cooks. I'm telling you, like, it this does. is a really good driver. I don't want to it, gas it, it really up too cooks. much. Like, do your own testing, but yeah, yeah, for sure. I was impressed, and on robot yeah. performed really, really well. Yeah, and I mean, if if John Rom can hit ten drives in a row with with almost identical spin, probably pretty decent driver. Even though he's yep. actually he's he's a pretty good golfer, right? I mean, when it comes to driving the ball, <laughs> I trade I trade yeah. swings with that in a second. Yeah, hundred percent. I would too. Love his move. Yeah, he's it's it's so good. And just just that short backswing. I used to try and emulate like the really short backswing like that. It's so tough to do. That's why I like respect to him because like my transition would always get screwed up. I just can't. Even I'm a tall I'm a tall guy. I've always been told like swing, you don't need to go like all the way back, just kind of mm-hmm. keep it a little bit just beyond parallel and and let it go and I'm like, man, that transition's so tough to do. So anyway, yeah, John Rom, like I said, de- decent at golf. Other um, changes that briefly want to point out Bryson. Did we see the new driver? Did you see it? Yes. No, maybe so. I've seen the driver. Is it, it's out. You used it. <laughs> yeah. He okay, used I, it. That's what I I'm saying. Like, yes, I wasn't sure you and I've already tested this stuff. Yeah. So he used it. He's, he's in the new, it's listed on the USJ's website as the Cobra LTDX LS, the LS, as you can probably guess, stands for low spin. Bryson, as fast as he swings it, he needs a low spin product. So, I but I do think it's a, I think it's a win that you get Bryson in the new product right now because yeah. obviously he struggled really, a little bit last year. He struggled. Yeah, I mean, like I would say, you know, it's it's and it was way more evident that Bryson was not able to get in the new driver than Colin Morikawa with the Sim Two. I mean, you saw you he was saw a little a more, more vocal about it too. 
Jaywalk. Well, not, yeah, he, he had some cho- he had some choice words to say at a at a, at a major the major tournament. So yeah, that Oops. that'll always put the driver on the radar for people. But yeah, it's out. It's kind of got a cool look to it. The one thing that I did notice is that it has two weight ports closer to the sole, mm-hmm. and they're separate from each other. So it looks like with those you can slap the heavier weight in the heel or the toe to to change shot shape a little bit. But with those weights being heavier going forward. In the head, I would assume with a guy like Bryson, maybe he jams a couple of really heavy weights closer to the front to just try and drop spin as much as possible. Absolutely. Huge weight forward. The fact that they're separated probably helps with uh, stability as well. Yeah. We're just guessing at this point, though. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Just just guessing. That's right. Uh Uh-huh. Bryson said that he was hitting it up over 200 mile an hour ball speed without even trying. He said he even missed it a little bit low on the face. So yeah, ho-hum. Bryson's already over 200 and he's not even hit it out of the center. Wait, over 200? Hold on. He was with uh, Berkshire. I think it's out there so I can say it. He was with Berkshire. They were going... uh... Yeah, we can say it. Wasn't he at 220? He was 220. He went over to 221. He got over what he was at at... That's like, there's like eight people in the world who could do that. Yeah. I mean, we'll never see numbers like that from him in a tour event, but I mean, the fact that he's saying that he's over 200 without even trying with this new driver, it's, it's, it's pretty wild. So anyway, there's another change. Other notable changes. Kevin Na is now into a Callaway Chrome Soft X. He said that it, after 20 years, two decades, He's switching from a Titles ball to the Callaway Chrome Soft. So one of the biggest changes for him was just the greenside spin, particularly around that 20 to 30 yards. He said that's what really sealed the deal for him. He noticed an uptick in the greenside spin. He's like, if I'm short side, I'm going to be able to get it up and down. So Nas in the ball. Um, Speaking of golf ball, Daniel Berger is now on staff with Titleist for the golf ball. He's in that left dot Pro V1X or the Pro V1 left dot product that was out in limited quantities that we had talked about on a previous pod that was selling for like 200 bucks a dozen on, on eBay. So yeah, Are they still there, there were some cool changes or have they gone down? That's a, that's a great question. I should probably look and just see, I'm, I'm going to say yes, just because it's, it's like such a limited, it's such a limited product, but I mean, those numbers are just, are just stupid. I mean, 200, 200 bucks. So let's see here. So there's, one that's at auction right now with two days lab, three days left at 157 bucks for a dozen. Um, let me just see what like the sold stuff. Ah, price have come down a little bit, so you got 150 bucks for a dozen, real cheap. 157. Yeah, it's for really one. Here's somebody that, whoo, somebody's somebody got a deal though. Somebody got two dozen of the balls for 230. A little bit, a little bit on the cheap side. So maybe the, maybe the market's softening just a bit, but still anything over like a hundred bucks for a dozen golf balls. Don't do that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Don't, 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 do, don't do that. Yeah. That's really good. Probably not expensive. right for you either. It, let, let the tour pros use them. Yeah. You're, you're going to lose that dozen really quickly unless, unless you're a really good player. Yeah. Don't, don't go and do that. <laughs> anyway. The move we had some movers in the gear industry last week. We mentioned Abe Answer also had P Reed going to PXG, the PXG driver with a, with a driver only deal. This kind of uh, let, can we talk about this for just a second? 
Did did you kind of wonder when you saw like Abe Answers doing driver putter hat, P Reed's doing just driver only? Are we seeing the birth of like a new gear deal, or do you think we're going to see more guys just doing driver only this year? I think we should. If I was a pro, I'd be trying to work myself into one of those deals because you don't you just don't nice want to paint you don't want to paint yourself in a box like fourteen club thirteen club deals. I mean that's a lot. You know, it there's is. so many good products out there, and they're all like a little bit different and you got to find the right, the right stuff for your preference, the look you want, the feel you want, performance you want, like all the companies at the end of the day, they do make a lot of models, but there's slight differences. And if you get on with just one company, you know, you're painting yourself in that box. So I love that these deals are popping up more. I think the PXG is surprising. I think we see more. Yeah. PXG is very surprising. I think they actually, so they add read, but at, as the same time as they put him on their website, I noticed that Wyndham Clark is no longer on their website, and oh. Pat Perez is no longer on their website. Wyndham oh. Clark, has, he's a good. I, I like I like Wyndham Clark. He's a he's a good young player, and also the Serious other surprise speed. there, uh, Lydia Ko on their LPGA staff no longer on the website. Ooh, Lydia's gone. She didn't yeah. announce uh, where she's going to, right? I don't think so. I haven't, I haven't seen any, I haven't seen anything out there, but I don't follow the, the LP, I should follow the LPGA players a little bit more than I do, but I, I haven't, I'll be honest. I haven't done a lot of checking here recently. Other, other changes that were one of these was a big shocker. The other, maybe not as much Adam Scott, no longer a titles brand ambassador. Oh That's a surprising God. one. He's, he's what been with titles there? since he turned pro. I don't he just think got those new from, irons too. That's the one thing that really mm. was like wow. So I don't I don't know if he just if he just wanted to to like try something else. I I don't really know what the what the full story is there, but he is still in the shoe glove ball deal that they have, and so was Jimmy Walker. So Jimmy Walker is no longer a brand ambassador, and so yeah, two two former major winners and. I mean, but yeah, Adam Scott of the two, I would say Adam Scott's Adam the, Scott's the shocker. So I got more. Surprising. I got more DM. I got more DMs about Adam Scott. They're like, "Are you kidding me? Adam Scott's no longer a titles guy. Like that is surprising." And I would agree. I didn't expect him to to ever not be a full like titles brand ambassador. I thought he'd he'd be with it until he retired. Absolutely. Like, do you think it was a case of they just didn't want to pay him what his value probably is still? Or was he like testing other product and he was like, listen, I got to get out of like a 13, 14 deal. Like I want to play a different driver or such and such. Maybe. Who I mean, knows? I don't All know. speculation, we, but that yeah, is crazy yeah, that for Adam sure. Scott leaves title. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. It is. It is super crazy. And, and, uh, hopefully, hopefully we can get a little bit more insight from him when we, uh, when we see him out on tour, but agree it's it's a it's a big surprise that we're not seeing him i just you know i think maybe he's looking we've seen a lot of guys go to <coughs> excuse me we've seen a lot of guys go to deals where they are getting like a financial institution on their golf bag and that like mm-hmm. deal for the side panels on their bag is is like a decent enough deal maybe he's getting one of the, something like that i mean he's got the unique low so maybe the unique low money is for the apparel is just really good and he just doesn't Maybe he wants to, ch- you know, try other stuff. I can't believe he would. He's, like you said, he he. They made him a set of one-off irons. He's played the same titles blades for forever, 
you know, he doesn't change a whole bunch and he he typically is, like seems to be pretty happy with the gear. So I don't I don't think it was just him being unhappy. I think maybe he was just kind of looking to shake it up a little bit in, in that regard. But I, I don't yes, think he's going to go away from just weird. Gear. It's such weird timing. Like he just got these awesome irons and Titleist yeah. has like their best driver ever made. Yeah, I know. I, I, t- I totally it's agree with like you. It's not like they have a weak the timing product like in comparison to what else is on the market. Like they yeah. still have a heater of a driver. It's weird no, timing. I, I, listen, I... I totally agree. It's 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 bizarre. It's bizarre timing, but um, yeah. So he's no longer a brand ambassador, and and we'll kind of see what what happens from there. I mean, it's dude. It was a busy week. I I mean, we just went through. We ripped through all the, the stuff in like forty minutes. Like that's a lot of things right out of the gate. That's that's a busy opening week, and we're not even in the first full field event of the year. I love it. Yeah. It's uh, it's fun. Oh, also, Scotty Cameron this week posted photos. New Phantom X putters are out there. So, yep, yep. It's uh, it is busy. But with that, do we? I don't even want like there were there were products that dropped this week. I'm just like we could we could probably go for another forty minutes. But we do have an interview this week. We'll save some Great of that one. stuff for. Uh... What's up? Great interview. Great interview for sure. Yeah. So we, Tursky and I had the opportunity to talk to Chris Voshal. I can't believe we haven't had Chris on the pod before, who heads up product over at Mizuno. And Chris, as we get into at the beginning, he wears a lot of hats at Mizuno. He actually was on the product creation team and he still helps with the development of product, but now he's also really helped promoting and getting the Mizuno brand out there to the masses. So he's kind of put on, like I said, the more of like a, like a marketing hat, but also like a club designer. I don't really know anybody else in the industry that kind of has that sort of role like he does, but yeah, he talks about the new irons, the new Mizuno pro irons that just recently came out. We talked to him a little bit about his background in the industry and he shows us a wild, putter creation <laughs> oh my goodness he talks about it one of the first i think it was the first club that he actually worked on right we got to make sure we put this on instagram we will. I don't know if i don't know if we got the photo from him but we got to remind him to send it and we have to put it up yeah yeah we'll, 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 so we'll put cool. it up it's it's a wild looking putter i gotta say it's it, it looks awesome but anyway let's get to the interview with chris enjoy it all right well i thought that we've had this guy on the pod before Batursky, I went back and looked. We've never had Chris Voshal on the podcast. How is that possible? He's a new friend of the show, apparently. I thought he was an old friend, too. I know. Well, he, he is the director of product for Mizuno. We think. He's, we, we think, yeah. <laughs> he thinks. I don't think he knows his job title, does he? I like that title, director of product. <laughs> let's, let's make it stick. Chris, what's up, man? what's happening guys you're right i've been ducking and dodging you for years so it's time to get time to finally get on here yeah he doesn't want he doesn't want to answer our questions i i get it <laughs> we, we we usually ask the hard-hitting ones we're, we're, we're like that i'm fully equipped so i i want to ask i want to start things off by asking you about your background because you're you're one of the few guys like there there seems to be there's a wall for equipment companies you're either on the marketing side and you're kind of promoting the products or you're on like the product creation side and you're designing the products. 
you you toe the line and you do both. Do you like how how did that all come about? And do you enjoy being on both sides? I mean, because you you were initially a product guy when you came to Mizuno. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's it's kind of one of those things where I saw a hole within Mizuno in terms of how we spoke and how we kind of got our messaging out there. You're exactly right. I mean, but to go all the way back, I started as a club testing engineer. So I was that guy who buys equipment, tests it, all that stuff that you guys have been in the throes of for the last couple of weeks, like some of the brutal stuff of all the testing. But then I worked my way to the design side. So I was a golf club engineer designing irons, woods, a lot of our wedges, particularly our forged product was the main, main stuff I worked on. But part of that was that Mizuno's messaging had always been you, you almost don't want to say like non-existent, but very, very quiet. And I saw an opportunity to kind of push our technical technical message outside in a marketing way. So what I was able to do was almost work my way into a role where I am kind of a hybrid between the marketing and the product side. But what I like about that is with my product background, I always get to keep our messaging always very technical, which I think speaks to our audience. Yeah. So... You, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I don't care. I'm going to, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I and I don't, it. you don't have to, you don't have to name names. Let's but go. I, I want to know as, as you know, now that you kind of see things from being on the marketing side, what do you think about the way that, that like your competitors out there market their clubs and have you have, since you kind of came into that side, have you tried to change the way, I mean, you mentioned it being non-existent at Mizuno, mm -hmm. but do you feel like you're more aggressive now in your messaging um, just kind of like what, what do you, when you look at that space, kind of, what do you think of like, how do you, yeah. how your competitors are doing it versus you all? Yeah, I think there's obviously, there's a little bit of envy from my side in terms of the volume of the voice of some of our competitors. You know, a lot of them are very bold and aggressive, you know, from, from the, there's two ways to look at it. From the technological side, there's lots of really, really bold claims out there, which, you know, my engineering, you know, skeptical hat always goes on and, you know, I'm not the guy who always wants to, you know, push for to say ours is the longest, most forgiving, like all these, you know, these, you know, over the top claims and stuff like that, because we are working within a given set of rules and making iterative improvements year over year. So, you know, from the marketing side, I don't love how some of our competitors go really bold on that side. But I love the fact that it's gotten to a point where it's like you find your difference and you point out your difference and you really talk about what you do well. And a lot of times that speaks to people. And that's a much more believable story than, you know, if, if you add up the yardage claims that everyone would be saying, we'd be hitting backwards into par fours at this point. But, you know, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things where I like to be able to put our messaging around what does our club do unique? How does it work fitting wise? I mean, you see it a little bit of in our woods now, like even the naming of the product, the STZ and the STX speak to the you know axis on which we concentrated our mass. It's a very like techie story, but it's a marketing story at the same time. With your marketing hat on, can you try to explain like how Mizuno has captured that cult-like following? Like, was there a specific iron back in the day where it like, all flipped because people yeah. people that like people that, people that like play mizuno irons are are pretty mm -hmm. crazy and they're like they only play mizuno irons and if they hit another iron they're like i hate it well, you know 
you're totally right. It's one of those things where it's once you've hit it, it's like the if you know, you know kind of thing. You know, once you've hit our stuff, I feel like we get uh, a lot of converts and they don't go away from there. To, to point it to a particular product, I think Jonathan nailed it. TN87 that became MP29. You know, there's a certain major that was won in April of 97 with a combo <laughs> set of 80 of MP29s, MP14s. It's like when things like that happen, people notice. And you know, that was well before the, you know, big pay for play days. And you see it over and over again when people have opportunity to just start grabbing whatever they want, they go to our product. And it starts with our muscle back. So, you know, it's it's a lot of the feel stories are always there for Mizuno, but now we've kind of pushed it beyond just forge blades at this point, which is good. And that's how what we're gonna need to do to grow. So I know everybody knows Mizuno for irons. But you all have made a massive push, especially in the last year, in the Metalwood side. Mm-hmm. And you know, I've I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast before. But you know, if I'm talking to you, you mentioned that drivers now part of those tour contracts. Mm-hmm. Like you, you want the tour pros to play the driver, and so you've become more aggressive. You've you've really tried to give those Mizuno Woods a more like tour inspired look. And I'm just kind of curious a, a year in from kind of becoming more aggressive in the way that you're doing things out on tour and, and sort of trying to get golfers to notice those woods. How, how are things going on, on the wood side? Things are going awesome. We've, we're coming off yet another, we're about to wrap up another record year for Mizuno woods. We're, we're growing faster than we can keep inventory of, which is a fantastic thing. So a lot of that, and that was one of my big pushes as I came over to a role that was that hybrid R and D and marketing side was, you know, from the from the mark or from the R and D side, I knew how much we put into our woods, the tech, the design, the time, the testing, making sure that product is right. So there was always a little bit of frustration from my side that they were never given the accolades, even internally of our irons. It's like we almost talked about the irons, and then oh, by the way, go get these woods. And then you look at it on our contracts and how we how we paid out contracts for a number of years, you know, we would pay somebody to play our irons that they might've played for free. So it's like our, our biggest, our top guys who we're paying to play our stuff. were then oftentimes getting paid by somebody else to play other clubs on the top of the bag. So it almost, it almost got to a point where to pay someone to play something and then see, see them with the Mizuno hat on and then take a head cover off and see another club it literally became the point where it's like detrimental to our wood business. It's like if even the guys you're paying aren't playing your stuff, then why would I go pay money for it? So, you know, it, it's, it's a holistic approach of, you know what, there's brand ambassadors and there's guys we support on tour. We got to draw a line somewhere between those because we can't just pay people to play stuff they would pay other play otherwise. And now that we've kind of dug our heels in a little bit on that, we're seeing that a lot of these, a lot of this baggage that came along with the perception of Mizuno wood was just that it was baggage. It wasn't performance based because a lot of times the guys hadn't even hit the woods. So now that we're going out and taking our woods out, testing with tour, using them on the design side, man, we're really, we're firing on all cylinders right now. We got some excellent product. Maybe some excellent product that's coming out next year too. I've, I've been 
hawking the USGA conforming list. Mm-hmm. They've seen a couple of they've seen a couple of new drivers. There's a couple of new ones right now, and the early testing has been phenomenal on them. So we're we're excited to talk about those in a month or so. <laughs> That's right. I, I I know that I know there's I know we're not gonna be able to talk about them today, but I'm excited to talk about them when we can. Um, Zuno Pro. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's go. Let's go. Yes. Now I gotta tell I gotta tell you <laughs> something. It and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna for those listening to this to this interview, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out there that you're going to see in a video, but Hey, you're going to get here first on the podcast. I, you know, I'll be honest. MP to me has always been about traditional. Mm-hmm. It's, it's classic. It's, it's exactly what you're looking for in a better player iron, even in the cavity back versions. It's always been consistent, traditional MP. When it comes out, you know, you, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get. It's clean. Then you've got the JPX, which is a little bit more aggressive, more distance. So, when Tursky and I did some head-to-head testing, I gotta say, it had a little bit of a JPX vibe to it. Yeah. We saw some ball speed increases. Big. What the heck's going on here? Are are you are you trying to give Mizuno Pro a little bit of a of a mean streak here? It's funny because you're right. Like the second we put Mizuno Pro on there, you know, we went, uh, you know, arguably backwards in cosmetic. We went from you know, a sleek acronym to writing out Mizuno Pro like we used to do on TN87, MP29. So it's like in your head, you think, oh, here's the tradition. Here's going back. Here's looking at classics and almost reinventing classics. But that's where it's kind of fun because we always like to put a little twist on everything we're doing because you're right. Like the Mizuno Pro 223 and 225 are ball speed monsters, even though they don't look like they're going to be. And that's what's cool about it is what we wanted to execute on these and what I think we did a phenomenal job on is giving the player exactly what they want at address and want in the bag. But we're almost too shy to ask for, too proud to ask for in terms of performance. So you're right. Like the Mizuno Pro 223, it looks like a you know a standard cavity back, like our even going back like our old MP62, 64 our SC model, it looks like one of those, but it performs like a JPX. And that's where kind of the magic can happen. And for those people who are a little bit offended or mad because they wanted that traditional shallow cavity, we've got a JPX 921 Tour. That's the exact same golf club, you know, so we've got that club. So it gave us an opportunity to really reinvent what Mizuno Pro or what MP is. And in our mind, it was never a you know, a look backwards at what we used to be. Mizuno Pro to us is what does the modern better player demand or what does the modern better player, what can they benefit from? So you're right. It's more tech than we've ever had in this type of golf club. Can we get like a quick history lesson on Mizuno Pro? Because it was obviously on the classics in America then Mm -hmm. it goes away, but it didn't Mm -hmm. really go away. Like it was in the... Asian markets, right? Well, it was so. It, this is going to get all roundabout crazy, just because it, you know, that's that's the fun stuff, though. So that's you're right. That's why we go, need clarification on it. Yeah. So going back to like, um, we'll go back to TN87 and MP29, MP14, and all that. A lot, a lot of those products didn't even have the MP name over in the European market. They were TP. There was the Tour Proven line. There was the MS line. There were all sorts of a lot of different things, like. Even going back to like MS, it was Mizuno staff. There's actually some things that said Mizuno staff on them. And then Wilson politely asked us, can you not call them 
Mizuno staff. So, so that, so we said, yeah, no problem. So we changed that. So um, you're right. We had gone to MP. I'm going to call it the 33 was where we, we globally went to MP and all the others were, were stripped down. So starting with the 33, another classic muscle back that a lot of people know that was the MP 33 globally. And the MP line has lived ever since then. There was, you know, a, a number of years. I guess that came out in, I'm going to call it 98, 99. So we're talking 20 plus years ago. What you saw over the last couple of years was some interesting launches over in Japan. And what we did was, starting with the MP18, it was slated to be the MP18 everywhere. But then Japan at the last second, they said, hey, you know what? We're going to charge a lot more for this and we're going to put copper underneath it. So we're going to give it a different name. So that was where Mizuno Pro came from was on the MP18 line that we had over here. It was different than the Mizuno Pro 118, 218, 318, whatever it was over in Japan. But then it was funny because MP20 was the weird one because the copper came to the US. So we were like, you know, we want that soft feel too. So we're going to bring that over. But then it was like, we, we kind of stuck with our naming how we had been. So MP20 was the weird year where it was like same product had two different names depending on where you bought it. Other than that, they were the exact same. So we re really then were like, why would we even do that? You know, it doesn't make sense for global marketing. It doesn't make sense for, let's say Mizuno USA runs out of seven iron heads. We could reach out to Japan and say, could we get a couple of them from you? So you can do things like that. So that's where the Mizuno Pro line now, it's completely unified across the globe. It, it makes sense, but that's kind of where, you know, when the, such a long answer, sorry. <laughs> when the what, no, when Mizuno is, Pro, one, great. Yeah. When Mizuno Pro we 118 came back out, it was because they needed a, a different version of MP for over there. So now that different version has worked its way back here. There's the, there's the condensed version. Okay. Well, before before we get into this two two three head, because I'm mm -hmm. pretty excited about it, I gain like big speed. Nice. Um, I want to ask you a quick loaded question. Okay. What What's your favorite Mizuno iron ever? What do you think is the best one? Ooh, don't um, Don't say the Mizuno Pro two two three. Yeah, no, that's, I know that has to be the cop out Mizuno. answer. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. That's, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, the one that I. There, there's two of them that I that really stand out to me as ones that I thought were really exciting. A lot of it was because I got to work on these. There were a couple of my designs, which I think was, was fun about it. So uh, the MP62 just to me like epitomized everything I was looking for in in a golf club. Like, you know, I my first set of irons that I worked on was the MP57, which was a shallow cavity, but it was a slightly larger shallow cavity. And, you know, I'm that age. I'm, we're probably similar age, some of you guys. But, like, where the, the set that I remember growing up, and I'm going to talk about a non-Mizuno set, was, like, the 962Bs, if you remember those, where yeah. it was, like, you know, it was, oh, yeah. it's, like, not the, oh, I don't want the 962. I need the Bs, the Bs. because it's a slightly yeah. smaller. Talk, slightly talk to them, Chris. <laughs> yeah. I've talked about the 990Bs, yeah. the fact they never came out in lefty. And so, still, so there was something in my day. head. Yeah, it was, like, it's the shallow cavity that looks and feels exactly like a blade. And that's what MP62 really was. So to me, that was a really um, awesome golf club. That was one of my favorites. And then JPX 900 Tour, because that kind of reinvented what JPX could be and who it could speak to. So 900 Tour was one of those clubs that when we first pitched it, well, 
everyone was like, well, that's an MP. Why, why do we need that golf club? And then after what it did on tour, winning lots of majors right off the bat, and it became almost the go-to iron of people who could pick whatever they wanted. So to me, th- those are two irons that I absolutely love and two of my, two of my favorite. I appreciate so those I answers. <laughs> you kept, yeah. You kept it real. Um, nice. <laughs> okay. I mean, we got to talk about this 223 now. Like, what's okay. going on inside that club head? Well, hold on. Before we get to, before we get to the two two three, I had a question this week, and since we've got you on the pod, mm-hmm. I can get like the full answer because it was tough to give it on on Twitter. Okay. But somebody asked me, okay, you know, they say that the new Mizuno Pro is faster. There's talking. They're talking about this chromoly. What is chromoly? What does it do? I, and we, I don't want you to get super techie, obviously, but but kind of like for for the average golfer that is probably out there going, okay, there's chromoly in this. Mizuno Pro, what the heck does it do? Why is it going to make it faster? Can you kind of give just uh, like a layman's, you know, description? Chromoly allows is a chromoly we're using here is a forgeable chromoly material. So forgeable meaning we can keep our grains of forging, keep steel, keep the malleability where we can bend it, get it to your proper loft and lie, everything from there. But the strength of chromoly compared to a traditional material used in a forging, the chromoly is so much stronger. What that added strength allows you to do is it allows you to thin the face. And the thinning the face has so many positives that it can do. Thinning the face, you know, the first thing that you go to is ball speed. It makes the ball go faster when you thin the face. But on top of that, a thinner face means you you can move mass around to areas where it's more valuable than directly behind impact. So you can not only make it faster, but then you make it more forgiving. You make it launch higher. It does all of these things. And the great thing about this forged chromoly is because of the forging and because of the geometry we were able to do and because of our grain flow forge HD process, it still feels the part of a Mizuno. So again, it just unlocks something that was traditionally a handcuff in a forge. There you go. There's there's the answer from the man himself. <laughs> two, two, three time. Yeah. I, I need to know what's going on in there. So, so, I mean, seriously, I picked up a lot of speed. Jay Wall was mm-hmm. there. He saw it. And it feels great. Well, and that, I'm not pick, just gassing you up because you're on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Did you like, pick up? Did you pick up two miles an hour? Two miles an hour, and it was like seven, eight yards. Yeah. So <laughs> anyone who's hit our JPX forged line over the last number of generations, JPX 900 forged, 919, 921 forged, uh, Promali was introduced a couple generations ago into that, and basically that's using that material in a slightly larger club head. And it's the perfect blend to, and it's it's kind of a silly, like, you know, weird world question where it's like, if we could only make one iron, what would it be? And to me, that forge model has always been that iron because what it, what it does is it still has the Mizuno feel everyone's looking for, but it's got performance characteristics that are nothing like anything we've done. So that's always lived in the JPX line. When it's in the JPX line, you know, if you're, Again, we were talking spreadsheets before we came on here. Connecting dots between the tour one and the hot metal, the game improvement one, the forge one's going to live in the middle in terms of size. So with that, it's going to have a little bit more offset, a little thicker top line, a little thicker sole. That's a turnoff to a lot of the better player, the player who wants that small cavity. And that's where the 223 checks every box imaginable. It's basically we took a JPX 921 forge and shrunk it down. So when you shrink it down, less offset, you know, smaller cavity looking, it looks small. It looks like it doesn't have any tech behind it, 
But the cool thing is when the face gets smaller, because that trampoline is smaller and the durability is there, we can actually go even thinner. So the face is even thinner than the JPX Ford. So it's the highest ball speed, one piece fan flow forging we've ever done. And you're right. It doesn't look like it's going to go far. Then you're going to hit it. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, like the first time I hit the six iron on a par three, I was trying to go for the front of the green. And I airmailed the green on it. So it's like <laughs> it, it will shock you how far this puff double goes. Yeah, it's deep. And like, yeah, the head size. I mean, it doesn't really look that much different than the blade. Mm hmm. And that, that's, yeah. that's where the magic happens with Mizuno. When we go smaller and faster, you know, it's like that's that's the secret sauce there. Anyone can go faster and bigger, but to go faster and smaller is really doing something. So what you did is just jack the lofts? Oh, uh, slightly. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the lofts are a little bit stronger, but they're by no means in that like GI range of, of lofts. So yeah. if you're looking at the Mizuno Pro line, there's the 221, 223, 225. Uh, you know, the 221 is the seven irons, 34 degrees. 223 is 32. 225 is 30. So it's two degrees stronger than the muscle back, but then two degrees weaker than the 225 which is, again, even weaker than our hot metal and stuff like that. So it's, it's almost like dipping its toe in that packing the loft, but it's not that much. And the funny thing is, you know, people automatically will complain like, oh, you just jacked the lofts, whatever. And then of a better player is talking about that. And the great thing about starting a golf club too strong is that if somebody wants to weaken it, all you do is reduce offset. So, you know, by starting it at a good offset value on the strong side, then if a player says, you know what, I think that's too strong, by all means, weaken it a degree or two, and then you'll have virtually no offset. It'll look just like a muscle bag. As a, as a designer, like, how do you go about determining exactly how much offset you're going to put in each iron head model? Because everyone exactly. is so particular with their offset. It's like you're never yeah. going to please everyone. It's impossible. That's a great, it's a fantastic question. And what we've done, this really goes back to the MP18 line, which was the first line where we said, we're going to design basically a massive cloud of irons that you can pick your perfect set out of. So what we did there is basically we set every single thing where if it was at muscle back loss, it would have muscle back offset. So from there, we, we did a lot of calculations in terms of when you bend something a degree strong, two degrees strong, three degrees strong, what does that do to the offset? So what we found is it's typically about 0 0.4, 0 0.4 millimeters per degree. So what we've done is we've actually taken it. So if something's two degrees stronger, it's going to have 0.8 millimeters more offset. That way, if you were to bend it to that loft, it'll have the same offset. So again, it's looking at everything as a whole and really drawing a line of here's our target of we're not just making it look make sense on a spreadsheet we're making it so when you build your bag and you make your loss make sense your offset makes sense too is there a direct correlation between the amount of offset and performance that kind of depends on the player you know that if you go back to like the origin of offset a lot of it was to bring the center of gravity further behind the shaft act you know, so before a lot of golf clubs had multi-material hollow construction and all that stuff, offset served a big purpose of getting the ball up and also giving the face a little bit more time to close. So that's kind of why traditionally more offset golf clubs are the more game improvement clubs. Now that the technology is advanced beyond there, where we can do so many things with you know, 
tungsten weighting and a hollow body design where we pull that mass way back, you can get the performance and the launch character of offset without the actual look of the offset. Hmm. So yeah, there, there is a, there, I, I should say there was a point to it and there still is a point to it depending on the construction. So I look at these irons and the first thing that comes to mind is I can blend these. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I could do three. I could do, you know, two, two, one in the nine and pitch. I could do two, two, three, you know, six, seven, eight iron, you know, then go into two, two, five at the top. Mm -hmm. But having talked to you, that, that really wasn't like the full intention of the way that these were built. Like they're supposed to be set up to just kind of stay in their own lane, right? So if somebody just wants to like buy a set, it's not like you're just releasing these different Mizuno Pro irons and saying, hey, here are three different versions, but we know you're going to just mix and match them. Yeah, I mean, through custom, we see, I'd call it about 65% of our sets are mixed and matched. But we're very conscious to design everything so that you don't have to. If you do want to stick with a single look from behind, the set flows like there's actually flow built into every single set as well. You know, you look at the two, two, three, for example, it has the forged chromoly and the long irons. When you get down to the short irons, it's actually a 25 material. So it's a, so it's a softer material. The heads get smaller. Um, two, two, five does the same thing where you go from fully hollow down to half hollow. So there's flow through each set. So it's like, if you were to just pick a two, two, five set, you're not going to have, crazy hot, crazy high launching scoring irons because nobody needs that. So it's basically, there's a flow within the set. And then if you want to accelerate that flow, that's where the combos really can help you do that. What's the Chris Shawl iron setup look like? What, how, how are you, how are you building one from the yeah, set? So it's funny. I've had an interesting year in irons where I've always been the shallow cavity guy. And then I remember last year was the first time I switched to something with a little bit more COR. So last year I switched to JPX Forge. Uh, they were always a little bit big in my mind. Like they looked a little bit too large. So I've got two, two threes. And the, the crazy thing about it is with my two, two threes, it's basically a five iron down to a pitching wedge. And the funny thing is I actually jacked the loft even slightly stronger than they currently are. <laughs> so, uh, oh. I, so, and that's, that's something that I, I kind of was experimenting, you know, I'm always looking at, looking at numbers and everything. And I put four and a half degrees between every club. Basically I, I started at my nine iron was at, my nine iron at 40 degrees went 150 yards, which I loved everything about that. And then it was like, how do I connect from there down to a 58? And how do I connect from there up to my long iron? So uh, my, my pitching wedge is a little bit strong. My nine iron, I think, is one strong. My eight iron, I think, is standard. And then it goes to, you know, it, it's kind of funky. But I do, I have T22 wedges, in, uh, Mizuno Pro 223s in my irons up to the five. And then that Mizuno Pro Fly High, which is the real sleeper in the group that, you know, it's a different looking animal from us. And man, does that thing make a three iron fun to hit. I asked this question to a lot of people, including pros, designers, etc. But I feel like asking a Mizuno guy this question will be interesting. Okay. Do, you think, do you think too many amateurs play with blade irons? Um. Yes. <laughs> you know confirmed um, yeah <laughs> just going back to like 
you know, working with Luke Donald when Luke Donald's number one in the world. He was playing MP62s. He was playing MP59s. And that guy pured every iron he ever hit. I've never seen somebody hit irons like he was hitting them. And he's not even playing a blade. So, you know, when, when I go, when my buddy plus two handicapped, awesome luke's probably a plus 10 and he's playing something more forgiving than you <laughs> literally so, plus 10 <laughs> yeah so it's like i i do i think too many people play blades yes uh but the caveat to that is i think too many people play blades too high up in the set so you know i think a lot of people could easily play blades to the eight iron seven iron you know depending on your speed and your contact it's maybe six iron five iron four iron stuff like that man there's there's just so many good options out there that are going to do you better than a blade to the iron. Preach. There you go. <laughs> All right. Last last question for me. You know, I heard you talking about de- designing irons and just, just clubs in general. And it, it got me wondering, what was it like the first time you created a product and you saw it out at retail? What What was that feeling like? It's cool, man. Like, I mean, to to be able to like walk into a store and see people a little, and and the funny thing about it is like with, with Mizuno, there it's we talked about before, like the cult following, and it's like all of a sudden there's all these, you know, I, I don't want to insult anyone, all these nut jobs who are like, oh my god, look how beautiful that is. We are like, nut jobs. I was like, I just I just made that up, like you know, so. So it's really cool. Um, the, the beautiful thing about Mizuno is the heritage that we have and the number of eyes that run across something before it comes out. So like I'll, I'll say the MP59 was, the, or sorry, MP57 was the first set I did. But man, to, to compare that to sets I did later on, I realized just how many people were over my shoulder making sure I don't screw up this Mizuno Pro MP iron. So um, I think with each one, it becomes even a little bit more proud. They become like your babies. You know, we were talking about some like a history of irons the other day. I was talking with one of our other engineers, Kazu, who's he's been doing it about just about as long as I have, maybe a little, little bit longer. And I went down to my basement and I grabbed basically the seven iron of every Mizuno set that I've had since I started here. And I actually played Mizuno before I started with with uh, Mizuno. So even going back to like the Tezoid Trues, and I looked at how many different sets I've had a part in, I've had a hand in or had a role in, and I've worked with the team on. Man, it's just cool to be able to make these things that are, they, they truly are works of art, but then there's so much science behind them too. Like it's, it's just, it puffs me up a little bit. You know, I get proud about it. Are you a pen and pad guy? Like do you sketch irons or are you doing most of it in CAD these days? Uh, it's mostly in CAD. What I'll say is I, I think for getting like a back shape, there's a pin to pad thing, but it's funny. I, I don't have one. For, I got a pad here, but it's not like the good one where what I used to love to do is I would always print out like basically the outline of an iron and I'd have a sheet where I'd print out like 60 different irons. Uh, and it's literally just, it's a hosel and it's the shape. And then from there, I would take pin to, un- to the inside. So, and it's like, I would always start with the top row. I would draw the ones that I wanted to be like the inspiration of them. Like whether that be a 33, a 37, a 14, something like that. So the top row was like a hand sketch of something that's already made. And then it's okay. Now let's do some iterations of what can this look like to, to kind of speak to that. So my drawing skills are not good, but 
I, I knew exactly where the lines needed to be enough that I could get away with it. <laughs> Are you the guy at the bar who like sits there with a cocktail napkin and you're like drawing like the new MP90? You know I would I mean? love to. I wish I was because that guy sounds way cooler than me. <laughs> we'd we'd see it on framed on his wall if that was the case. Yeah, that's, exactly. That's, that's what I would think. That's awesome, Chris. Appreciate the time, man. It was fun. Anytime, man. Yep. Looking forward to doing it again. And don't be a stranger. I don't want to be a stranger on the podcast. So let me know whenever I can come on. <laughs> Will do. All right, Chris. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks again to Chris Voshal for the time. As always, if you want that gear goodness, check us out on social media. We are at Fully Equipped Golf on Instagram. We are at Fully Underscore Equipped on Twitter. And I always have to take a deep breath because do I even mention the TikTok? Of course, <laughs> at Fully Equipped Golf on the TikTok. And before we go, we do have some big news. Mm. We are losing a member of the Fully Equipped team. I got to say, man, I don't know. I'm like the common denominator here. I just kind of hang around and everybody else kind of like drops off. First, it was the professor, Tim Briand, heading over from True Spec to Foresight. And now we are losing. I am losing my partner in crime. Tursky, you asshole. You're leaving. <laughs> <laughs> I, listen, before, before we get into where you're going and, and you kind of get to do a proper goodbye, let me just say this. You know, when I started at golf three years ago, I had a vision for what I wanted to do at this place. And, you know, I left. And when I left my job at the PGA Tour after six years, they asked me, who would you hire to replace you? And I gave them one name. I probably should have given them like just the worst name possible, but I, you know, not <laughs> wanting to burn any bridges. I said, Andrew Tursky, because listen, of all the guys that I've worked with and been around in this industry, Tursky is probably the closest guy that I know who like reminds me of me when I was like first starting out covering gear. Like he's hungry. He loves, he loves the space. He's down to earth. He's chill, like just a good vibe for me. And when he took the PJ tour job, I already had visions of wanting to poach him. So <laughs> I worked like hell to get him in the door of golf because I knew we could do some great things together. And we have, we've brought in robot testing. We've revamped club test. We've added in video testing, which really, you know, golf, we've done a lot of things, Tursky, that, that together that golf never had before we came on board. And none of that would have been possible without you being there by my side. So that's my way of saying, I'm going to miss you being on staff with us. I'm excited for your next step, but man, it's, uh, it's going to be tough not seeing you on the fluke pod. Yeah, I just want to say, uh, obviously, really kind words there. Um, me and you have, have gone back, like, so long in this industry. You know, when I was at Golf WRX the first time around, for, like, five years, we would always see each other at, you know, different media events and out on tour here and there. And we've always just gotten along super well. It was kind of like that pie-in-the-sky idea for us to team up one day. Finally did it. And, you know, I think we, we did everything that we came here to do. I think we showed people, you know what we could do in this space together. And, you know, I came to golf.com basically because of you, you know, we wanted to team up and work together and it was just so fun the whole time. Um, especially the podcast, you know, it's, it's really sad, like to say goodbye to something that you've put so much into, especially over the last two years and like getting to know our listeners. I mean, we had listeners out to our player testing, like getting to know people, you know, and you kind of have that bond and 
every week we had so much fun together me you chris mccormick tim Brion, mark hannon our producer zach cedarholm esley our uh, video guys you know just like a really good group and i think that comes across in this podcast and that's kind of why it's so sad to to leave and say goodbye but you know at the same time i i did get another opportunity and it was just kind of one i couldn't couldn't pass up and uh yeah i mean it's tough to tough to say goodbye to to fully equipped and golf.com all the boys at golf magazine but i will be returning back to golf wrx going and, home man yeah going going back home to where i got my start in the in the industry i don't know how many listeners we have in common from golf wrx who like kind of came with me over here um but I'm going to be coming back home. So start starting yeah. in like two days, like January 16th, I will be uh, back at Golf WRX, and I'm sad to go. I appreciate the kind words, though, Jay Wall. I know me yeah. and you are still well, going to be uh, friends going forward. I don't think that's ever ever going to change, friends and that's, brothers. That's never going to change. Yeah. Yeah, just just because we're we're going to be wearing different different hats, it doesn't doesn't mean that that you're not going to still be one of my best friends. And and look, like you said, it's it was an opportunity you couldn't pass up. And you know, you, you got to take those opportunities when they when they come. And you know, we'll miss you on the pod. We'll I'll miss you doing the the day to day. We will. Uh, do I even mention that we're going to be looking for somebody to fill your gigantic shoes? Or your vans, I should say. Somebody to fill your vans. Um, <laughs> My dirty white Yeah. Man. So yeah, we, we actually might we actually might have a, a job posting for, for this position. I I probably should not say that because I'm gonna get bombarded. You're gonna get with so many DMs, people. man. Yeah, that's a pretty oh. terrible thing. I probably should have bit my tongue there. But anyway, yeah. So bottom line, we're gonna miss having you on the pod, miss having you creating content for golf for fully equipped. It has been an absolute pleasure to to work with you over the last couple of years. And I just, again, wish you good luck as you head back to WRX because I know that they're they're getting a great one. Well, thank you for, you know, this opportunity the last two years. And just thanks to all the listeners who joined us every week and kind of joined in on the fun. I mean, it was really yeah. nothing but fun. This was our favorite part of the week every week. And that's that's genuine. Yeah. For sure, exactly, and and it's and it's been it's been a hell of a ride. We're not going to be getting rid of the podcast, as I say that. Just let me point that out. We're going to continue to do the full equip podcast with Chris McCormick, with myself, and we're going to add a third voice in there. I would, yeah, I was going to tease it, but I'll I'll say Gene Parenti, who we've had on the podcast, Gene, who who does uh, robot testing for us. Gene's going to become more of a of a you know regular voice on the pod. I would say we'll have some other guys on too, but yeah, I think you could expect Gene was a fun interview. If you didn't hear that one, go back, you know, a couple episodes to listen to it. He kind of talked about how he got into the industry, but he brings a lot of insights. And as we kind of roll out a club test and start talking about like driver testing and the numbers, it'll be fun to have him on the pod a lot more to, to kind of point out the stuff that golfers are going to see from the new drivers. But anyway, pod will still go, go on. Turski's going off to the next place. Again, I'm the common denominator. I'm the only guy that stays around. So there's must be something about me. People don't like where they just kind of like go <laughs> on the merry way after you, hanging man. out. They just, they're trying What's to get away from me. Anyway, I know, I know. Well, anyway, thanks as always for listening. What was this? Episode 123 of Fully Equipped. You made it through episode 123 of Fully Equipped Turski. Congratulations. I think I was on about 100. I came on somewhere around 20. Yeah. I was about to say, you've probably been on for, for about 100, and those have been probably my, my favorite episodes that we've been doing. So again, going to miss you. 
Thanks as always for listening, everybody, and we will see you next week.